My word that I've got for you, the title of my message this morning is Weathering the Storm. And so God just confirmed again what He's speaking to us in this house. But I want you to look at me as a starting spot with Hebrews chapter 6 verse 13. For when God made a promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself saying, Surely blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply you. And so after that he patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men indeed swear by the greater an oath of confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. Thus God determining to more to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath. In that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters in the presence behind the veil. Several weeks ago, I I spoke it, and I know there's been several other prophetic voices on a major scale that has been speaking that a storm is raging. I felt like a storm was brewing. Now, let me preface something. Just because it's raging doesn't mean that it has to hit us, okay? But it's there and it's real. If you've been listening to a lot of the major prophets and People, like many of you follow the same people. We all kind of follow the same guys. People like Dutch Sheets, Chuck Pierce, Tim Sheets, uh, uh, Lance Walno, uh, Hank Kuhneman, Kent Christmas. Uh, who else? One that I, a pastor that I follow, he wouldn't consider himself a, a prophet by any means, but I believe he speaks prophetically to the church. Uh, pastor John Kilpatrick a lot of these guys have been speaking that a storm is brewing and that things are coming greatly upon the land. Matter of fact, a couple of them, it was, I believe, I know Miss, uh, Miss yeah, Crystal uh, shares a lot with, from when she hears something of Chuck Pierce with us and, and so to watch the month of July. And, and Tim Sheets was even talking about the rest of this year of what is going on. Uh, just this past week, I guess it was, a recent, uh, Brother Kilpatrick was talking about the shift has begun. Some of us never dreamed that Roe versus Wade would be overturned. But God overturned it to show, I believe, I'm going to do what I said I would do in spite of all that's behind Some of the prophets have been talking about world government shifting and changing. Just this past week, most of you probably saw the news. I don't really know anything about these men too much, and I'm not trying to even do that. But we saw the, uh, what's his name, the the prime minister of of Great Britain uh, resigned of his position. And then the, I think it was the prime minister, a high-ranking person in Japan was assassinated this past week, even in a land that don't even attribute to having guns, but was assassinated in the streets. And I understand was assassinated by a homemade gun. 
I'm just telling you, you better pay attention. Things are shifting. The world is moving. And God is in order. Now, I don't want to stay there because that's too heavy for me. But I'm going to share with you because I believe that the storm is here. But God wants us to weather the storm. Look at your neighbor and say, we're going to get through the storm. There was a movie that came out a number of years ago. I remember going to the theater to see it. It was a movie called The Perfect Storm. How many remembers that? It was a movie based upon a true story of a, of a fishing vessel up in the northeast where a group of men made their living by fishing. And they would go out for a, m- a month at a time and fish and gather as much as they could to only bring it back, you know, to be sold at the market, collect their uh, paycheck, and then, I guess, get a little bit of break and, and, and go back. I remember something from this movie. I'm going to use it just for a moment because I remember seeing it in the in the theater on the, on the big screen. And man, I want to tell you, it was quite intense. It made me not want to ever get back in a boat again if it was that real and that intense. But there was something about the story uh, line that uh, that that really caught my attention and why that storm and why everything played out the way that it did. Because we could think about two major fronts. I'm talking about weather fronts coming together that really caused it. But there was much more involved in the story than the weather that was coming on. First of all, there was a fishing boat that wasn't producing. Everybody else was bringing in fish. I'm going to get spiritual, so hang on just for a moment, all right? I want to tell this story. So there's a fishing vessel that is not producing. They come back in. Everybody else has got a load of fish. This boat has very little. The second thing we have, we have a captain that is being pressured to produce. But now because of the lack of of fish that he has in his vessel, he is now beginning to question himself. His confidence is dropping. Third thing that we have in the story that makes a perfect storm, if we could say it like this, is a group of men who needed to make a good living. So when the boat came in, and they have very little paycheck, they're willing to do whatever it takes to go. And so they done a quick turnaround in that movie. Instead of being in for a week or a couple weeks or a month at a time, I think they were only in for a few days, enough time to get the boat restocked, and then to go back. And not only was there uh, was was that group of men needing to make a good living, they were there trying to provide for their family and have a good future. It was all a part of the perfect storm. There was another thing that that involved in the perfect storm. That was the search for fish. Because where they had been fishing was no longer producing, or at least for this vessel anyway. And so they were wondering, where can we go? And if I, if I remember right, it was called the Flemish Cap or Flemish Cap, something like that. It was a good distance off of the radar, even further away than what really they had right to go and to fish. And then here's, I guess you could say, the last element that happened in that perfect storm. And it was the weather forecast. That two major fronts where the winds were blowing from a couple different directions were, were crashing in even onto an area 
that it wouldn't be an unusual thing for a storm to rise up in that area. If you watch those, you know, the, the, the shows like The Deadliest Catch, they're always seemingly battling winds. So here they embark out and they go further than what they ever get. And, and while they're there, those that are back on land are watching the signs. They're listening to the weatherman. They're trying to get word to these men that they are in the midst of one of the most horrendous storms at that time that that part of the earth had seen. And yet they would try to get a hold of them if I could remember right. And no contact was being made. They had made up their mind. We're going to go beyond our bounds. And we're going to go to where the fish are. And when they arrived to get their fish and the... And the uh, and, and the boat was full of fish, then if I remember right, that their ice cube maker or their ice maker quit working. And if they don't, if they're going to cash in on this load of fish, there's only one way back. They cannot wait any longer. They're going to have to make their way back knowing that there's not a storm. I want to tell you there's a lot of elements that make up for a perfect storm. I believe there's a lot of people today. I believe our nation, and not only our nation, but I believe the nations of the world are facing some of the most horrendous storms that we have ever faced. The Bible tells us in two different places at least, prophets prophesied. One, the prophet Haggai prophesied in his writing, Haggai chapter 2. He said that in the last days, God would shake the heavens and the earth. Paul also prophesied it in the book of Hebrews chapter 12 that the time would come when God would not only shake the earth, but he would shake the heavens. We hear those things, but really don't understand, I believe, the ramifications of what comes when we hear of the movings of God. I believe we're in the greatest hour, and I'm still going to believe that. That revival and awakening are here. And we're believing for miracles on the left and on the right. But at the same time, I believe it's the darkest days that the earth has ever seen. That we're facing things we've never faced. There was a parable that Jesus spoke of where a man sowed his field with wheat. But while he slept, uh, 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 somebody came in and sowed tares among the wheat. And as it started coming up, the disciples asked him, Master, do we go and pull up the tares? And Jesus said, leave it alone. Listen to what I'm going to tell you. Leave it alone until the day of harvest. Because if you pull it up now, you will pull up the wheat. So both of them are going to mature. The harvest and the tares are going to be in full blown. I'm telling you, this great gathering of harvest is going to be full blown. But the enemy is going to be at full blown measure as well full maturity and a storm is brewing church and you and I need to know what we need to do in order to weather the storm I believe there's no doubt people in this room today that you're in a storm and you don't know why you're there you don't like the situation but you're there I'm going to give you six things real quickly that I believe create storms in our life. And all of them combined can really create the perfect storm as the movie wrote. 
The first one is simply this. It's the weakness of our flesh. The weakness of our flesh can create a huge storm in our life. What do you mean, Pastor, the weakness of our flesh? It could be immaturity in the Lord. It could be our foolishness. It could be our ignorance. It could be our sinfulness that creates us a storm. I'm immature in the things of God. I, I don't know any better. Or maybe I could just say I'm just ignorant to what God would intend or how my life ought to be. A person that is, let's just say it like it is, not necessarily ignorant to God because we have people in our present day that are illiterate. They deal with things that you that have high educations and you that got great jobs, they deal with things that you and I have no idea of. It's a storm for them that they're basing, that they are having to weather day after day after day. You have to understand something in the, in the, in the weakness of our flesh. Change can make a difference. Well, we've done it this way too long. Change can wear us out. Change can create a storm for the best and for the worst of people. I didn't expect it to go that way. I, I thought it would always be this way. Mr. Raj and Miss Norma, I'm so glad they've been with us. And didn't Barrage do a great job helping out this morning, leading us out? I'm so thankful for that. But, but see, they face a little bit of storm. A few months ago, at the beginning of the year, when, when Chad and Alexis and Maverick walked into their home, sat down at their table, said, hey, we got to break some news to you. We're heading to, we're heading to Missouri, and we're going to go work and be a part of what God is doing there. Wait a minute, they weren't asking for that. They weren't, hope you don't mind me talking about that. They weren't looking for that, but I promise you that began to create a storm it wasn't just the whole idea of them leaving. That's their firstborn to their firstborn, their first child to leave the home like that, that far away. And they're a very close-knit family. And not only that, their very first grandson or grandchild is now leaving them, and they're eight hours away from him. I'm telling you, that's a storm. That's a storm. Change can do it to us. Yet how many of us are dealing with that? And I promise you, the church world is going to deal with it more because the prophets have been declaring it is not going to look like yesterday. It's not how it has been. This thing is going to be so radically different. I don't know how everything is going to look, but in the weakness of our flesh, if we're immature and our eyes aren't focused upon Jesus, Miss Judy, it is going to create a storm for us that possibly will... that. We We'll either be driven by the winds of it and the waves will overtake it or we'll know how to get through the storm. Let me give you the second thing that can create a storm in our life. The decisions of others. I guess I could add that one into y'all's group. The decisions of others. What they do, they don't do. Your employer. The culture, our family, believe it or not, it creates storms for us. The culture has changed so radically and so greatly, we don't even know what to do. We don't even know how to address one another anymore. 
And it's created storms for people. Changes of employment. An employer can make a decision and that decision be based upon nothing more than but for positive in progress. See, not every storm has to be birthed out of something negative. It might be a negative to you, but the decision made was a positive of carrying something into the future. But if we're not careful, we'll, be, we'll, we'll create a storm because we've got to deal with it. I, I should have gave you this verse a little bit earlier. John chapter 16, verse 33, the word says, These things have I spoken to you, that you might have peace in the world. That you might have peace. For in the world you will have tribulation. You will have trouble and sorrows. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. He said in this life you're going to have these moments of time. Let me give you the third one. Not only does the weakness of our flesh challenge us and create storms, the decisions of others. Let me stop. i got to deal with that one one more time. Me and Diane watched the miracle of Delia Knox a number of years ago. As Delia Knox, a lovely young lady just going about her business, driving around town, possibly going to family, doing something on Christmas Eve night about 30 years ago, a drunk driver hits her head on and leaves her paralyzed from her waist down. She never asked for that, never wanted that. It wasn't in her future. It wasn't what she was looking for, but the decision of somebody else created a storm for her. If you're in a storm this morning, you need to ask yourself, is this a storm that I created? Is it a storm that somebody else has created for me? But none, nonetheless, I'm in a storm. Here's the third thing. Economics can cause us to have a great storm. I think many of us are feeling the crunch of gas prices well over $4. Of everywhere you go from the marketplace to the restaurant. That everywhere you go, the menus are no longer. We go in and say, but wait a minute, I paid $8.99 for that last time I was here. Now you go in and it's 3 or $4 more. Everybody's passing everything on. You're feeling the crunch of it. The, the, whatever that... that I can't, my mind just went blank. Whatever that, that word is used for the, uh, the, the, you know, the finances of our government, everything being raised up, and the only thing that's not being raised is your salary. And all of a sudden, now you're having to make decisions. I want to say something that, Pastor, I'm so glad you said what you said. And I'm glad that you told us that God wants us prosperous and God wants us wealthy. I really believe that. But you're going to have to say that in order to see that happen. You can't talk about how difficult it is and what you don't have. You're going to have to talk like my God has made a way where there is no way. And he is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that sees and meets everyone. You're going to have to speak it. Matter of fact, Abraham is mentioned in the scripture. Abraham was almost 100 years old before he had a son. But he wasn't going to have a son until he acknowledged, I'm a father. So God required him to call himself a father of nations before the son was ever released. The economics will shut you down. It will create a storm. Do you ever think about this? There's so many factors. Rising inflation, that was the word I was looking for a while ago. 
shutdowns, breakdowns. How many has had unprepared things that break down at home? The car breaks down. Your tires wear out. The washing machine quit. The dishwasher don't work. Your big plasma TV went out. Your smart screen, your phone doesn't work any longer. How many knows those things aren't cheap no more? And the, the reality is a lot of times a lot of people are never prepared for these things to break down. In December of this past year, two hours away from us, on December 10th, a tornado came through. Uh, Graves County, Kentucky wiped out a big portion of Mayfield, Kentucky, left hundreds of people literally without a home, living in hotel rooms for the last months, not really with a clue of how they're going to make it or how they're going to rebuild, nor even with the thought for some of them that there is insurance available for them in order to rebuild. I'm just telling you, the economic of things can create you a storm. Not only that, your economics, let me give you the fourth thing, our political system. Oh my goodness. I think we've all felt the hurricane breezes of the political system over the last couple of years. The right, the left, and everything in between. What is righteous? What is unrighteous? Mandates and shutdowns and requirements that have come. It's put some of us to make big decisions. I'm not vaccinated. I'm not here. If you are, I'm not going to get in an argument with you, but I'm not vaccinated. I didn't want that junk in me. It cost us a lot of money because of not being vaccinated. We were scheduled to be in, in Israel last year. Uh, to go to Jerusalem on a tour. We had already paid several thousand dollars. At the last moments, Israel mandated, if you come in, you got to be vaccinated. And then not only on that, you got to take so many tests once you, before you get there and once you get out of there. We had to make up our mind. Am I willing to lose the money or, or in order to follow the peace of my heart? I, I wouldn't argue with anybody, please. Now, my wife is, but she got vaccinated earlier in the first of this thing because of dealing with asthma. She said, what do you think about it? I said, Diane, it's up to your heart and up to your peace. I wasn't going to mandate that nor hold her from that, but it was her heart because of, uh, of circumstances that were around. She said something to me a, a few months ago. She said, I guess your traveling days are over talking about going out of the country because some of the countries are still requiring, are you vaccinated? Now, it's created a storm because I want to go. They want me to come. I'd love to go do, and I haven't got a present invitation right now, but, but I don't know. That'll be something that me and God's going to have to have a serious talk about. But the reality is it created a storm, it created a storm for you. The mandate alone, some of you, your employer said, if you're not back, see, this is political. This was political. They mandated if you don't take your, if you don't take the shot. And again, I'm not opposing one way or the other about the shot. I'm talking about the government. That it mandated if you don't, go find you another job. We don't want you around. Again, it created a storm. 
that several of our people have had to deal with. To either make up their mind to take it or lose great jobs. Some of them talked with me. Some of them, uh, you know, made their mind up. I will not do it. I don't know that anybody's lost a job yet. But the reality was it created a storm for them. And not only them, but for their family. Are you okay? I'm talking about the things that create a storm. And then here's the the fifth thing. Is the media has created a storm for us. Oh my goodness. Can you imagine from social media to CNN to Fox to all of them that's out there. Because every one of them has an agenda that they are trying to push over to you. Me and Diane went to the movie the other night. First time I'd been to a movie in a while. I think she had gone uh, to see one. And, and the first of the movie, one of the first, and I, like, I really like seeing what's coming up. That's just as good to me as the movie. Because I like to see all the previews. But the first one coming up in the particular movie that we went, went to see. For the first three minutes was the movie that is going to push the LGBTQ community to a greater height. And it was right there in our face. It didn't matter if it was adults in there or there were kids in there. But not only that, moms and dads, you need to be paying attention to what is coming on. Even on the commercials, even the commercials that are selling a lot of the things that you're using, the agendas of the LGBTQ is being pushed to, uh, to heights that we have never seen. And they are only a percentage of the population of our nation. And while all of this is being shoved into our face, Let me get off that because I don't want anybody to be offended if you're in that group, in that room. I want you to know I love you. And I want you to know you're welcome here. But I'm going to speak to you what the Bible says and tell you the truth. But it also pushes the agenda of racism. It does. It pushes it to the hilt. It pushes hatred. As much as we try to scream we need to love everybody, it pushes everything to the max. And then we, the culture, get into a firestorm because somebody will take a 20-second snippet and they'll throw it up on social media or throw it on the news and you weren't there to see the hour before or the time after, but we embrace everything because the agenda is being pushed to divide and separate this nation and especially to come against the people of God. It creates a storm. We've come to this point that we all feel like every time I feel mad or I don't like something, I can go to social media and I can express my feeling there. It was never designed for that, I don't think. But that is what it has become. And the sad news is, I find a lot of believers expressing their hatred, expressing their home problems, expressing everything on social media. And not only that, you're pulling all of your friends, you're pulling everybody around you, you're pulling them into your storm. Are you okay? Here's the last one. It's the spiritual issue. Or religion. Believe me, it can create a storm. God starts speaking and things start happening. He never promised us that this stuff would be easy. 
He never promised that, that it would be smooth sailing. Matter of fact, in one place of the word, he said, enter in at the straight gate. For narrow is the way that enters into life. And few there be that are therein. But broad is the way that leads into destruction. And the path is full. He never said following him. See, we used to preach stuff like this. That we need to die to ourselves. We need to die. We need to pick up our cross. We need to do that. But we quit dying to ourselves, and now we've become a religious group that appeases the flesh. And when God calls us to be holy, no longer do we understand what holiness is because we've made it our truth instead of the truth of God's Word that separates us from the world, that separates us and makes us different than what this world and what this culture is. Many of you have got promises. I have. Man, I've had so many prophecies given over my life ever since, I guess, me and Diane has been married and we started seeing the prophets. Much of it has come to pass, but there's a lot of stuff that hasn't. And then i got to understand, when, when he spoke it to me, did I really understand what he was saying? Because there's a lot of times when a prophet comes in, he calls you out, he said, God's going to do this, this, and this, and this. You have no clue what he just said. You caught the first words that God said, I'm going to do something great with you. You started looking for a bus or looking for a jet, started trying to find your platform, and God wasn't dealing with any of that. But that's how you interpret it. And you had nobody in your life or you didn't take it to anybody to sit down and say, will you help me discern what God really is saying? And as a result of that, when it doesn't come to pass, we're upset. We feel like everybody is not seeing us for who God said we were. You need to understand something in this hour. This move of God is going to be by the nameless, faithless individuals. In other words, there will be no superstars any longer. I heard Pastor Kilpatrick say, I believe it was him, spoke the other day, and he said, the guys that you have looked to for years and that have been the superstars of the day, in my words, he said they will no longer be in those positions. He didn't say they were going to be taken out. He didn't say they were going to die. He said we're just not going to see them any longer. This is going to be an hour that's going to require great humility before the Lord. I don't believe just great humility, but I believe of us being a church or being the church and not a church because we put everything on a church instead of us being the church that will go and do what God told us to do. Well, I get upset because my church, pastor, you guys ought to have a soup kitchen. You ought to be giving clothes away. You ought to be doing this and this and this and this and this. And we'll, we'll line up a church to do all of this. And then if we find another church that's doing those things, well, I'm going to go to that church because they are doing really what the Bible says. No, that's not true. They are doing something right and good. But what you've done, you've created everything that God, to, that God intended for the church to do, you have put it in 
a church. And when a church doesn't satisfy you, you exit. Hello. And that thing is changing. Because God's requiring it of the church. It might not be the soup kitchen in our kitchen. It might be the soup kitchen in your kitchen. Come on, somebody. It might not be the small group in my GC building. It might be the small group around your dining table or in your living room. It's time for us to be the church and quit going to a church and expecting God to manifest everything in a church. Because I promise you, there is a lot of churches doing a lot more things than what we're doing. And that's awesome. That's awesome. And we rejoice with them. You know what happens when we put everything in a church instead of being the church? It causes us to create competition. Well, I've got to be like them in order to do. And we've created a storm that we don't have answers for all the time. Because it's not that we would like not to do some of those things. Sometimes we just don't have the ability. Sometimes we don't have the resources. Sometimes we don't have the room. Sometimes we don't have the talent. Sometimes we don't have the cooks. Sometimes we don't have everything. It doesn't make us wrong. We just don't have. They may have what is needed in order to fulfill that. So we create these storms. People get upset. Get offended. Leave. I don't know why I'm stuck here a minute. It's a good spot though. And you don't realize that when you do that, you create a storm for other people. Because there's people around you that are here because of you. And then all of a sudden when they see you in a storm and you decide you want to exit. And you don't give reason why. It shakes them loose. And you don't realize that you're actually operating as Satan operated. That he wasn't going to leave without dragging people with him. Now I'm not saying, listen, there are times... There are times people are going to come and go. It happens. It happens. I think there's ways we can do it that are right. i got to get off of that. But I'm just telling you, it can create a storm for a church. It can create a storm for your neighbors. You put all of these together, and it is not unusual that all of the six things that I brought to you are possibly happening to everybody at one time. God, what happened? I thought you told me that this was going to happen in my life, but it looks like I'm nowhere close to it. And I'm in this storm. And like in the movie, man, that boat, them waves have gotten big, Miss Tanya. They're pushing that boat with everything they got to try to get over these waves. I want to give you a truth this morning. I want you to think about this. The reality of the storm. Because God's given us authority over the storms. We've heard that in the last few months. Pastor taught that. Apostle Anthony from, from over in Next City, 
taught us that. But the reality of the storm is this. The reality of the storm is revealing what's in you and where you are and what's guiding you. I want to say it again. The reality of the storm is revealing you. It's declaring what's in you and where you are and what's guiding you. This morning, I went out on my deck for a few moments and just sat out there and had my coffee and prayed. And everybody knows we live in town now and we got, I don't know if you call it a lake, a pond, drainage ditch, I don't know, it's water. And got fountains and fish. And so I got fish in there. And I fished it and I caught fish. Some of these other guys have been with me. Family come, the kids love it. But I don't know, Tom, that there's anything out there. I thought about taking some trees and sinking it to give some, you know, some habitat for the fish. But this heat wave for the last two weeks and very little rain over our little lake area has caused the water to drop. But I noticed something this morning. I saw something in the water that I hadn't seen before. I don't really know. I think it was a big boulder. But you would have never seen it had the water been at normal level. But because the heat has, has taken the moisture in the water and the water level is dropped, setting from above, I'm looking down and I'm seeing, I'm seeing some stuff in the water that I would have not seen had not the temperature caused things to drop. You see, my friends, there's things that get revealed in us in the storm that you'll never know until the storm is there. You'll never know it's there. You'll never really know who you are. See, what you believe doesn't show up when everything is well. See, you can say, he's my Jehovah Jireh, and you got 10 grand in your bank account. But when you got 10 cents and you ain't got no gas, you're going to find out real quick if he's your Jehovah Jireh or not. Come on. Or when the doctor gives you a report, you can say he's Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals. He's the, is that it, Jehovah Rapha? The Lord? Did I get them right? Yeah, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals. But when that doctor tells you, Charlie, we may be facing the vent. We may be facing heart surgery. We may be facing cancer like Danny is. I'm going to tell you real quick, you're going to find what is on the inside of you. You will never know until the storm comes. Could it be that maybe God's just revealing his church? Maybe some of you thought you were church. You ain't been doing nothing but going to church. Some of you thought you were, you were real mature. Matter of fact, the whole, book of, the whole book of Hebrews is dealing with the issue of the church wanting to go back because they're under pressure and they're under persecution. You can come to for me. They're under persecution and they're wanting to go back and so it comes and talks about how God, what God has done through Jesus, what the Father has done through Him. 
And in chapter 6, if you're not careful, if you don't read the last part of chapter 5, you'll get hung up in religion like we were talking about with this tithing issue that's being thrown out all of, after all these years. Paul said like this. He said, when you thought you were ready to eat meat, you're still needing milk. And you're unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. And then he goes on to say, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age. Or in other words, those that are mature. And then he starts out by saying, let us not again. He said, therefore, leaving the discussions of the elementary things. He wasn't discounting the foundational stuff. He was saying, church, why do we keep going backwards? It's time for us to grow up. It's time for us to rise up. It's time for us to stand up. We are mature. There are things going to come in this life that I'm not going to like. Things are going to push against me. But I don't have to go back and be like a child again. Come on. I've got to mature. That's what Paul is saying about the hour. we got to rise up and we got to be mature. Then he goes on to say, I've got to, I've got to get you. How are we going to make it? I've got to get you there real quick. How are we going to do this? We've got to mature. Paul said this in verse, uh, verse 9. He said, but beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this manner. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor, which you have shown towards his name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. Three things real quick. First of all, we got to act like mature people. There's a responsibility that I have. I may not like it, but it's my responsibility. I didn't have... Diane, get me up and get me dressed this morning. As a full-grown man, that's my responsibility. I didn't need her to shake me. That's my responsibility. On the other hand, my daughter over there had to awaken her son and no doubt waken her daughter who isn't quite as mature as we are and say it's time for us to get ready for church. I shouldn't have to tell you, go brush your teeth. I shouldn't have to tell you, go take a bath. I shouldn't have to tell you where your boundary is. If you've been in this thing, your life, it's time for us to grow up and act as the mature believers of the Lord. Here's the second thing. He said, don't be sluggish. In other words, don't be lazy. We got to be attentive to what's going on. I got to watch out for my family. I got a responsibility of watching out for you. That's why we preach the way we do. It might be easier. I'm not against these pastors that do their sermon planning for a year. God just doesn't allow us to do that. He puts something more in us. I believe the scripture says this. 
Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And I assure you that most of the ministers that walk on this platform that are in this house, when they are called upon, they're not going to get their old sermon from last year unless the Holy Spirit says, this is what I want you to do. They're going to be, they're going to be asking God, on behalf of you, Lord, what do we need as the church for this hour? We can't be sluggish. Guys, we can't play any longer. Listen, we're either in or out. We're up or down. Some of you need to make your minds up. I'm sorry, but you need, I mean, you really need to settle in. We've let a lot of things slip. A lot of things slip that need in our families need to be brought back. Here's the third thing. You need faith and patience. Notice faith and patience. The word patience here is actually endurance. It's actually endurance. We need faith, believing in God, and I need that in me to endure. I don't know how. I don't know how. Charlie, don't get sick another time this year. You're off limits. But we have to endure. He's had to endure some things. Danny's having to push through. In faith, he's having to endure. Miss Judy, you've done it. You've been there when they told you you had Lyme's disease and, and, and thyroid cancer. You pushed through. You endured. That's what we got to do. My wife is pushed through with her eyes. And Miss Sherry, we've had to endure. We don't give up. We keep believing for the full manifestation of the promise. Here's the... Here's the last thing he said. He said, all that's good, but if you're not anchored properly. He said, you got to have an anchor for your soul. That's your mind, will, and your emotions. Makes me think of years ago when I was a boy. My dad was living. He loved to fish. We had a big John boat. Big aluminum John boat. And he loved to fish the Ohio River and the Tennessee River for catfish. And he'd take us fishing. He'd have a 20, 25 horse motor where he'd sit in the back and run it. And my job or one of my brothers was to drop the anchor or pull the anchor. And dad never went to buy one of those nice anchors at Walmart. He just found a big old rock off the bank. And he tied that rope around it. But he knew where he wanted to fish. And how that boat needed to be lined up. In the midst of all that current in that river. Whatever your name is there, Miss Adrian. And when dad would get to that spot, he would say, Now I want you to drop that anchor. And we would drop it. He said, hold it just for a minute. Tie it off. And man, it might keep moving for just a few seconds. And then all of a sudden, that anchor would grab hold of something on the bottom. And as strong as that current was in that river, that boat was staying still and straight while the currents of the river was pushing against it. He said, we got to have an anchor for our soul because the wind is going to blow, Raj. The storms are going to come, Miss Judy. Duchesne, they're going to come. You're stepping into a new adventure this year. She's taking a big position, right? 
at the university. Professor, come on. Professor Duche, give her a hand. Wow. But those currents are going to be different. And that boat, we would sit there and we'd fish a while until Daddy would say, Son, pull that rope up. Man, we'd start pulling. And there were times, Miss Lisa, I'd pull and that boat wasn't going in. That rock wasn't coming up. Because it had locked in so, no doubt, into maybe a, a root water to another pile of rocks or something on the bottom. And my dad would say, just sit still. He'd crank that motor up and he'd start driving into the current. And he'd push and you'd feel that boat fighting that rope. And all of a sudden, it would break loose. He'd say, now get it up. And we'd pull it up with ease. God said, you need an anchor for your soul. And if you don't have one, you will not weather this storm. And he said, this anchor is this. This anchor is absolutely him. That when he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. Because see, do you ever remember saying something like this when you was a kid? I probably did. I swear to God. I swear on the Bible. I'm not cursing. I'm making a... Do you ever say that? You were trying to convince somebody you were a person of your word. I, I swear, I put my hand on the Bible. What were, you, what were you doing? You were appealing to a greater authority. And God said, there is no greater than I am. So God said, I'll put everything I am on the line. My character and everything is on the line. And the second thing that he said, he said, it's my promise. When I say it, my word will not return to me void. When I speak it, it will be happen. And I assure you, Paul said, that it will be sure and steadfast. This is it right here. He was saying it will be first the word sure. It will be safe, secure, and it cannot fail. And not only that, it's steadfast. It's firm. It's secure, it has force, and it's walking with you. And he said, it is immutable. He said, I am not changing. Not only am I not changing, I cannot change.